As we prepare to hear our scripture this morning, we continue with our Unraveled series, where we are looking at stories from scripture about times when people's lives or identities have unraveled in some way, and how God meets them in that and helps them put their lives back together. And so this morning, we're going to hear a passage from the book of Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah was a prophet in the 6th century BCE, a prophet um, in Jerusalem, and he was um, working at a time when Babylon came in and conquered uh, the kingdom of Judah and sent Israelites into exile. And up until the Babylonian exile, Jeremiah had often um, given a word of judgment, calling out the Israelites for failing to live up to um, their covenant with God and really their covenant with each other to care for each other, to care for the widows and the orphans. But once they are taken into exile, Jeremiah really begins to give a word of comfort and hope. And as we'll hear in the passage today, um, God, uh, he promises that God is still with them and has not forgotten them and will bring them out of captivity. But he also tells them to settle in, that it's going to be a while, and to uh, look out for each other and to seek to live uh, fully in that time. So let us listen for the word of God. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 1 and 4 through 14. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. 
the word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me? Oh, gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, 10 years ago this month, uh, my spouse Hillary and I moved to Portland from uh, Minnesota. And I'll never forget our first month here as we walked around much of the time wondering where on earth had we moved. Uh, we lived up in Northeast Portland in the Alberta Arts area. And often we felt like the two squares on our block. We had no tattoos to speak of. We had no fixed gear bicycle. Uh, our clothes were rather plain and simple. And I remember uh, meeting our neighbors on one side who were lovely. They had met on the Appalachian Trail and they definitely uh, fit the description of kind of Portland granola. Our basement was uh, full of huge plastic bins of lentils and beans and all the things that they could buy at the co-op. On our other side was a wonderful neighbor family with three girls, all of whom rode the unicycle and played violin and did it at the same time. And they would go and busk uh, up at the Alberta Street Festival. I remember we would walk around our neighborhood at like uh, 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning. The restaurants would just be full of people having brunch and we wondered, how can they do this? Like, doesn't anyone have a job? <laughs> And then uh, we would go by Tin Shed, which just had a line out the door. And we wondered, why are all these people standing in line for brunch? And why do they have their dogs with them, too? It was a time when we really felt like uh, strangers in a strange land. And even though these were some of our first impressions, certainly some of the stereotypes about Portland, we've obviously uh, found a home here. But that was, there was that initial wondering of where have we moved? What is this place? Where are we? And what are we going to do now that we're here? There are times in our lives when uh, we are uprooted, either by a choice or by force. And the question becomes, how do we live during these times? This is really the question that is facing uh, Jeremiah and that community of Israelites. And I think really it's still a question that is facing us today as we are living into the new landscapes of pandemic, of our awareness of systemic injustice. And as we continue to face the, the exiles and the um, wildernesses and the experiences of our own lives. Now, for the Israelites in the book of Jeremiah this morning, their, their displacement is not by choice. It was by force. Uh, Babylon had taken them captive, taken them to a foreign land. And so they are literally in a new territory with new people, new uh, customs, new culture, new language, new religion. And these exiles, they just want back. They want back home. They want back to the safety and security of Jerusalem. Um, they're scared and they're worried. And probably most important, they wonder if God has abandoned them. Because not only is Jerusalem their home, but also Jerusalem is the, the locus of the temple. And the temple is the locus of God's presence. And Babylon has destroyed the temple. It's in ruins. And so they wonder, where is God uh, in the midst of this? And what does it mean to be the people of God? 
uh, in the midst of this time of exile. Well, that's when Jeremiah writes to them. That's when Jeremiah brings them a word of comfort and hope. Now, there are a lot of things that Jeremiah or God through Jeremiah could have said to them. One would be to stand your ground and defend yourselves in this foreign land. Another would be to buck up, don't worry, it'll be over soon. Another would be to say, God's got this, God's going to fix this right away. But Jeremiah doesn't say any of those things. Rather, the message that comes is this. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat from them. Get married and have children and grandchildren. In other words, settle in. Seek to live abundantly because you are going to be here a while. It must have come as a bit of a shock, but there they are being called to set down roots, to live life fully even in the midst of difficult circumstances, to invest in this foreign place and space, to put up timbers and build a home, to make some raised beds and till the soil. It's a call not only to survive, but to thrive. A definite call to bloom where you're planted. But it's also a call that is easier to stomach when it's a move by choice and not by force. And yet that is what God says to them. But God, through Jeremiah, takes it even a step further. Not only are they to build and plant and marry and live full lives, but they are also to seek the welfare of the city in which they live and pray on its behalf. For in its welfare, they will find their own welfare. In other words, God says, seek the welfare of this foreign land. Seek the welfare of these enemies who have brought you into captivity. Seek the welfare of those who are different from you, who you, who you don't even know. And it's a powerful statement, I think, about God's inclusion and love and that sense of interconnectedness and a recognition that we are only as full or our lives are only as full as the fullness of those around us and that we are at our best at humanity when everyone's welfare is cared for. So not only are they to not just survive but thrive in this foreign land, but they are called to seek the well-being of others. And then the passage goes on to say that it is after this, after this living abundantly, after this seeking of the welfare of others, that God says, I will come back and I will bring you out of that captivity and I will guide you into a new future. And God says, if you look around, you're going to find me. You're going to find me even in this foreign land if you seek me. But I haven't let you go. And I will bring you into a future with hope. Now we know from history that when the exiles do go back, Jerusalem is not the same. The temple will not be rebuilt for generations and it will never uh, reach the glory that it had in, in the times before when Solomon built it. Their homes will not be the same. Many of them will have been destroyed. The land uh, demolished as well. But God does still meet them. 
and God will bring them and does bring them into this new future where they relate to God in a new way, to each other in a new way, and they begin to rebuild a new and better future together. And so the call is for them, even in these difficult times, to remember that God is with them and to live fully, trusting that God meets them in these foreign lands and God is still building for them a future with hope. Well, this is good news. This is good news for us as we face the strange lands that we are in today. For one, we are in the new and strange land of pandemic where the landscape has shifted and uh, it's a new landscape that is full of face masks and occupancy limits where we are learning new customs, whether that's how to work from home or washing our hands for 20 seconds or using hand sanitizer all the time. We are learning new ways of relating to people, uh, whether that's from a six foot distance or over Zoom or virtually. Uh, we're learning new ways to do church, to uh, do school, to be a family. For many of us, though, um, this comes as a deep struggle. It's not easy. I know in my household, um, we feel overwhelmed a lot of the time by all that needs to be juggled. And we wish things could just go back to the way they were. For so many of us, we want the quick fix. We want the vaccine now or we just want to pretend that it's not really as bad as it is and maybe we should just reopen right away. Well, we're seeing in all the surges where that's getting us. And so there's a way in which Jeremiah's words come to us in this time of pandemic to say that we're going to have to settle in, that we're going to have to figure out how we build houses and plant gardens and live abundantly even in this time of exile from our normal life or normal routines. That this is also a time when we are called to seek the welfare of those around us, um, those who are most vulnerable uh, in our community, those who are in our immediate proximity, our family, our immediate neighbors, that we are called to, to seek the welfare. And that in doing that, we will find God. I know in my own life and from talking to some of you and even seeing it here at church that even now in this time of pandemic, we are seeing God in new ways. We are finding uh, new connections with each other. We're reconnecting with old friends or with new neighbors. Um, and there are ways that, that God is meeting us in this time, even as we wait for a new future um, that we cannot yet see. We understand that God is with us and meeting us in this time. Well, that leads to another landscape that many of us find ourselves in, and that is the landscape of injustice and white supremacy and systemic racism. Now, I think there are two ways that we can read our text this morning in uh, relation to this landscape. One is to recognize that it is a landscape that has been very familiar to our indigenous citizens and to our black and brown citizens. That they are literally uh, have been the exiles, um, as in Jeremiah's time, pushed from their homeland, taken captive, whether that's pushed off their native tribal lands uh, here in the United States, or whether it has been taken from their land and sailed across the Atlantic 400 years ago in chattel slavery. And so for over 400 years, um, 
these captives have been crying out for liberation, for liberation from Babylon. Uh, and they have been trying to build and plant and live fully under the duress of Babylon, of white supremacy, and yet have not been able to live life to the fullest. And it is long overdue for freedom and for a release from captivity, which I think means that Babylon needs to get on board. And that's where uh, we can read the story in another way. That is, for those of us who are white and those of us who are um, complicit in systemic uh, oppression, in white supremacy, who benefit from white privilege and white supremacy, we are in many ways in a new landscape, or many of us are in a new landscape as we're waking up to the realities of this foreign land, that, that so many of the institutions that we've known and trusted, whether that's government or schools or churches or whatever, we're, we're beginning to see how, uh, or continuing to see how racism undergirds those. And uh, there's a way in which this is very uncomfortable and it's hard and it's awkward and it feels um, foreign and we have to distance ourselves from that sense of, of privilege. And yet again, Jeremiah's text comes in to say, well, you're gonna have to settle in, right? You're gonna have to settle into this discomfort because it's not going away anytime soon and there is no quick fix. It's not as easy as just reading a couple books or listening to some podcasts or making a few donations and all is going to be well, but rather you're gonna be in it for the long haul. And if you want to really seek liberation, it is gonna take generations of work um, to get it done. And so within this also is that call, that reminder of seeking the welfare of the community in which we live. And so for those of us who are white, that is about seeking the welfare of uh, our black and brown siblings and our indigenous siblings and those who have been the most oppressed in our society. And recognizing that it is only in, um, in, in each other's welfare that all of us will be freed. It is only when, when we seek the good of the other that God will help lead us out of this captivity, that God will help free us from these systems that have held us back uh, and help us live into new ways of being a new relationship with God, with each other, and with our world. This is both the good news and uh, the struggle of our text, but it's a reminder that God is with us and will help us through this time. There is so much more that I could say about this passage. Um, this is my favorite passage in scripture. It's one that I return to again and again in my life. And I think it's one that um, also really speaks to us if we are in any kind of wilderness experience or exile experience or new landscape in our own lives. And so I would encourage you to think about it for yourself, um, whether you are in uh, the landscape of illness or the landscape of caregiving for somebody else, whether you are in the landscape of a new vocation or a foreign land of retirement or uh, whatever circumstances in your life have caused a change, um, to, to find yourself in this text and to think about where is God inviting you to build and to plant and to live abundantly even in the midst of this foreign land and to seek the welfare of, of those around you 
and to remember that God will meet you in it and that God will lead you into a new future. It may be a different future, but a new future uh, with hope and with promise. The last thing I want to do is just uh, close today with a personal word. So I just invite you to bear with me for a few more minutes because as I started the sermon today, I mentioned that um, Hillary and I have been here for 10 years in Portland. And actually it was 10 years ago today that I started uh, as pastor of this church on June 28th, 2010. And this passage from Jeremiah was actually the passage that was preached at my installation service when I started as pastor here. And my friend Beth Donaldson was here to preach. And she um, talked to us as pastor and congregation, basically saying that we were beginning in a new territory, a new land with each other, and called on us to build houses and plant gardens and to love each other and to uh, birth new ministries and to uh, just seek to live abundantly in this new land. She also called on us to seek the welfare of each other, reminding us that our welfare was tied up together, that I was to care for you, you were to care for me, and that in our mutual caring for each other, we would naturally care for the world around us. So I really just want to say thank you uh, for these last 10 years and to say thank you for all the ways that we have been able to build and plant and love and birth new ministries together. It has been uh, just an incredible uh, joy to be on this journey with you. I also want to say thank you for seeking my welfare for these last 10 years, that as a pastor, you have helped me uh, grow into my identity. You have helped, uh, helped me by giving me room to learn new skills, uh, to try my hand at new things, to try new formats to worship, to, to just be creative and to roll with it, whatever happened. And so whether things succeeded or failed, uh, you all have just been great in, in just giving me the space um, to do that. You've taught me about love. You've taught me about God's care. You've taught me about justice and how to serve the world around us. And you've really helped me to uh, find my own voice and continue to come into my own uh, as for who I am and who God's calling me to be. And you've uh, helped me to continue to get rid of some of my perfectionism and just to uh, trust the, the voice and the person that God has created me to be. I also want to say thank you for just supporting me personally because in these last 10 years, I've also uh, gotten married. Uh, Hillary and I have birthed two children and created a modern family. And you all have supported me through that and uh, through a sabbatical as well. And just helped me find uh, meaning and purpose and joy every day. And so I'm very grateful for that. I also hope that in these 10 years, you have felt uh, loved and cared for because I have tried to seek your welfare and tried to uh, love you well. And as I said in a sermon a couple weeks ago, one of my greatest joys has been um, just getting to know you and your gifts and helping to find ways um, to nurture those gifts and help you grow into the individuals 
and to the congregation that God has called you to be. And I think as my friend Beth said those 10 years ago, um, it would be in that mutual support that we would also uh, seek the welfare of the world around us. And I think we have done that in some really amazing ways that over the last 10 years, we have sought to love each other well and love our community well. Uh, we've sought uh, really to love our children and our youth. We've sought to love all the new members who have come into our church community. Um, and we've sought to care for those beyond our, our doors. Um, we've worked in this time to become a just peace church, an earthwise church, an immigrant welcoming church. Um, we've worked hard to love others, um, whether that's folks in our transitional shelter, whether that's uh, working for immigration reform, whether it's in all the support of respond to racism in our wider community. Um, we fought for marriage equality and uh, continue to, to support and celebrate the inclusion of our LGBTQ siblings. Um, and it's just been a joy to be part of that growth and that caring for others. Uh, I would have had no idea 10 years ago that this is where we would be today, both in terms of the accomplishments that we've achieved, but also the work um, that is yet to be done. But it's one of the reasons that the Jeremiah passage just always speaks to me because it's a reminder that God is with us. God is with us in whatever territory we find ourselves in, that God calls us into fullness of life, that God calls us to seek the welfare of those around us, and that God continues to promise us a future with hope. So I'm excited for all the ways that we will get to continue to work together in the years ahead. I'm uh, curious to see how God leads us and will lead us in this time of pandemic and as this time as we uh, continue to address racism in our society. But I just wanna say thank you to you and most especially thank you to God for the gift of being in ministry with you. So may God just continue to bless us today. May God bless us in our lives. May God bless us in, as pastor and congregation. May God bless us as we continue to seek the welfare of the world around us. And even when we don't always know the way, may we trust that God is there to lead us and guide us and give us a future with hope. Amen.